Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Ollie Watkins just gets away from him, but El Ghazi's behind him. And more El Ghazi! 3 0! Emphatic! Triore with Watkins available. Triore just passes it into the corner. Big moment for him. It's young. Crowd full side. He slides it into the net. Here's Douglas the Wee, strong on the ball. Opens up for John McGinn, plays the pass towards Watkins. 1 0 Villa. Villa's a big clap, mate. Gather round, villains, and welcome to Gather Round the Lamp, our podcast all about our beloved Aston Villa by underagaslitlamp.com, sponsored by Manscaped. On this episode, we shall review the impressive win at Goodison Park, and with no game for the next two weekends, we'll look at the potential for the final few days of the transfer window and our hopes and aims for the remainder of the season. I'm Andy, and today it's a warm welcome to Craig. Thank you for that warm welcome, Andy. I need it over here because it is freezing. The temperature is falling to around minus 10 at night time. Um, I had to go out to uh, the, the local, uh, well, the B&Q equivalent, which isn't called B&Q here. It's called Home Depot last night. And um, when I got outside the house, the, 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 the wind bit my face and it hurt. So thank you for that warm welcome. I need it. Send your warm sun rays over to me uh, because it's very cold. Yeah. But we're very happy because a villa a villa win always warms the cockles. It certainly does. Um, and it was it was one of those one of those matches on Saturday that whilst it felt like kind of a tricky challenge with Everton having having a new manager, uh, Duncan Ferguson um, standing in uh, after Rafa Benitez was sacked. Villa really needed the three points to to end a poor run of recent results and send us into the the winter break in good spirits. Um, again, um, returned to the team in place of Morgan Sanson, and there was a surprise start as well for Philippe Coutinho, who I, I don't think we expected really him to start. And Danny Ings was the full guy in the perennial Ings um, versus Watkins debate. Um, first of all. Lovely to see Coutinho on the on the, on the uh, team sheet, um, and you know further to that, do you think we'll we'll see this strike partnership again of of, of Ings and Watkins, um, or it be either or from now on? I'd like to think it would be either or all. I think that um, as lots of people have commented and we've spoken about on this podcast, the Ings and Watkins, the almost obsession or hard headedness, if you like, from Dean Smith in cramming Ings and Watkins in um, when they clearly weren't working, where they clearly weren't fitting, uh, really went a long way towards costing him his job, I think, for all intents and purposes. And to see Gerard trying to do the same thing has been a little bit disappointing. Um, I think, again, it's no coincidence. I think uh, Greg Evans at The Athletic did a, an article detailing just how bad we are with both Ings and Watkins on, on the pitch. And you know, it's no coincidence, I don't think, that when we went either or again uh, against Everton that we pick up our first win in over a month since the Norwich, uh, since we defeated Dean Smith's Norwich, ironically. So I think, I hope that's the end of the strike partnership. I think that, that neither Ings nor Watkins have really been setting the world on fire this season. I think part of that is because they don't have any kind of natural chemistry. I think we all hoped in the beginning when it looked a bit ropey that the, the chemistry would develop as the season wore on. 
well, here we are at the end of January. It hasn't developed. If anything, it's got worse. And um, and and when you have a signing like Danny Ings, who is for now, 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 today, 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 you can't wait until tomorrow for him to come good because he's he's he needs to be hitting the ground running now. So hopefully that's the end of it. Hopefully it will be Ings or Watkins moving forward. And hopefully Watkins, who seems to be the preferred choice, can start to find some sort of form because I believe that he looks a little bit out of sorts, uh, at least to my eye, Andy. Yeah, I think he does. I think he looks um, a little bit, a little bit unhappy. He's always got that that um, that look about him, hasn't he? If he's not scoring goals, um, he certainly perks up when he's in the goals. But um, he, he, all, he we, we spoke last season, didn't we, about how how much of a hard time he gives himself um, on the field. He's he's very very self critical, and it shows. You know, he, he he's you can see him berating himself in his head. He's he's not a happy happy bunny at the minute. And um, of course, you know, last season, you know, when he had runs runs in the side with um, without scoring, he knew that he had Dean Smith there, um, who who obviously favoured him heavily. But there was no real competition for him. Um, only sort of Keenan Davis, who wasn't wasn't really always fit, and and you probably wouldn't you wouldn't leave Watkins out and put Davis in anyway, having spent thirty million on on Watkins. So um, he didn't really have have that kind of pressure. He could just sort of run in and out of form quite quite comfortably. But now, of course, he's got he's got an England international um, proven Premier League goal scorer um, pushing him, and they have had a run in the side together, and it's. You know, it's not really worked. I, you know, I, I was very keen for it to work because I thought they'd be, I thought they would be good together. But they, you know, for whatever reason, it hasn't hasn't panned out. And um, I think from now on, it will be a, a choice. But it's not necessarily Watkins. Um, I think, I think Gerard will like Danny Ings. I think Gerard made a comment a few weeks ago about wanting a his striker to be to be at least one in two ratio and. Um, Watkins is nowhere near that. Um, doesn't look like he can d- get to that level at, at this point. Um, although I, w- I wouldn't be writing him off, um, but but Ings certainly has the capability of doing that and has been that that sort of that sort of in that those sort of numbers in the past. So um, Gerald has Gerald hasn't has no um, no no real skin in the game between the two, does he? He'll 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 pick whoever's better. No, that is that is that is the key. You know, Watkins was famously a Dean Smith a, a teacher's pet. They had a really close bond off the field, and um, Dean Smith did for for all of Dean Smith's positive things. He did have his favourites. We know that when McGinn was playing terribly last year, he still got picked. Uh, Watkins, when as you alluded to, when he had poor runs of form, he still got picked. But it's a new day with a new a new manager, and um, and and it seems like McGinn might be a, a, a favourite again <laughs> of the new incumbent Gerard. But maybe Watkins is not. Um, there was a problem last season with Watkins starting every game. That shouldn't be the case, as we talked about on this podcast. But it also looked to me, you know, I I stuck my neck out for Watkins last season because although he scored fourteen Premier League goals, which in your first season is phenomenal. I mean, firstly, it doesn't look like he's going to get get to that again this year, so that's uh, that's a, a worrying sign. Um, but the other thing that I I stuck my neck out, the other reason I stuck my neck out my my neck my neck out for Watkins having twenty goals this season, 
is I want to say he he hit the post and bar last season more than anyone else in the Premier League, like eight or nine times. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, my logic, you know, two plus two, you know, equaling four, but it seems to have come out with 25, is that he would convert a percentage more of those chances where he was hitting the crossbar, hitting the post last season, and that would increase his his goal tally. And he would be the first striker finally since Peter With to score 20 top flight goals in the league for Aston Villa. Or was it Gary Shaw? No, it's Peter With. Um, but he's re- he's regressed, I think, in in certainly in his goal scoring, Watkins has gone absolutely backwards. We saw again at the weekend. He did a lovely bit of movement, a nice nice bit of control. I think a lovely ball from Mings over the top. He's one on one with a goalkeeper, um, and he's poked it well wide uh, when one on one with a goalkeeper. He's under pressure, and then an even more glaring miss uh, a few minutes later. It was offside, admittedly. Uh, but there's a lovely cross to the back post. He's he's unmarked in the six-yard box. Um, you know, people will say that was a great save from Pickford. I would say no. You can't you can't miss from there. You have to give the the goalkeeper no chance. So, even again, we're we're looking at two really strong chances, and 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 he's missed both of them. So whether it's a confidence thing, or whether it's kind of a second season, you know, syndrome. You know, second season can be like the second album, can't it? For an act, it can be quite tricky because people have figured you out a little bit. People know what you're all about, but um, there's really. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a big Watkins defender, but Andy, I'm really struggling to find any way to defend this finishing we've seen from him in, in recent weeks. Yeah, I mean, it has always been a bit of an issue, and I mean, we talked, didn't we, about the, you know, the amount of times he, he did hit the woodwork last season, and you know, but ultimately they're misses, aren't they? <laughs> yes. <laughs> if it, you know, it's close, but he might as well be blazing it, you know, way over the bar. You don't get half a point, half a goal, do you, for hitting the woodwork? So. It's 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 a difficult one because as as we've talked about every other aspect of his game more or less um, for for um, a Premier League centre forward is spot on you know he's he's we've talked about his running and his work rate but also you know the the way he he can he can link the play with 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 the midfield um, you know he's running the channels his hold up play all that sort of thing is is. He's he's really really good, and he stretches defences um, again with his pace. So um, it's all there if he could just find the net a little bit more. Um, he did have a slower start to the season because he had an injury, didn't he, in the first few games? So he, he perhaps took a little while to to really get up to speed. Um, but he's never really found that form, and other than you know, he, he he has scored some goals and he scored an absolute cracker against Brighton, but um, it's it's just not looking like he's really he, he's really there. And he was, but then first half, you know, I thought, you know, if we come on to the first half in a bit, but he he really troubled the Everton defence, and like you say, he was he was getting in amongst it and he was causing some problems. Yeah, but uh, you know, troubling the defence and troubling the goal are two different things, and. Um... Yeah, and and yes, trouble in the defense does create um, does create chances for other people. But we're going to talk about the Everton first half in a second, as you, as you mentioned. But it's not like Jordan Pickford's goal was peppered with 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 chances and shots, and he's he's pulling out save after save after save after save. That wasn't what happened. So the idea, I suppose, with Watkins is his bustling and hustling is going to create more room for the better players, if you like, like Wendia and like Coutinho. 
um, for them to have opportunities at goal. And actually, Watkins, in his defence, did set up Coutinho for a nice chance. Um, but Coutinho, I think um, his control wasn't quite crisp mm. enough. So I suppose there has to be some patience as well. This is now, again, a new front three. I mean, how many combinations have we seen so far? We've seen El Ghazi, we've seen Ings, we've seen Watkins, we've seen Davis, we've seen Archer, we've seen uh, Trezeguet, we've seen Traore, uh, Bailey, did I mention him already? Coutinho, Buendia, like th there's been no cohesion and no settling down period for any of the players in the front three in particular. There's been so much chaos up there that maybe we do need now for the next few weeks to see... Uh, the preferred front three, which presumably is Watkins, Coutinho and Brindia. Perhaps they just need some time to to, to bed in and, and, and a little bit more patience from from people like myself. <laughs> and um and, and we'll see we'll see what it is, you know, maybe maybe revisit in a month's time at the end of February and see where we are. Yeah, but obviously it was it was um it was an encouraging first half for Villa as they, they did restrict Everton to, to minimal openings really and whilst creating some a few big chances themselves, like you say, it wasn't um, it wasn't an onslaught, but um, both Watkins and Coutinho went close. Um, but it was uh, it was Emi Buendia who who was certainly providing the magic and and making things happen for Villa. Um, although him him and Ramsey, I should say, really were, were, were running the show. Then on the stroke of of half time, um, a delightful corner by Luca Dean found uh, Buendia who'd made an excellent run to the near post and looped an inch-perfect header past past Pickford to give Villa the lead. And it was it was a deserved lead, really, and, and the cherry on the cake for Buendia's excellent first-half performance. Um, we have been tentatively praising uh, the improvements in, in Buendia's performance over recent weeks. I know our colleague Dan has been telling us since he signed that he was going to be um, he was going to be a, a you know a great player for Villa. Um, but do you think we're finally starting to 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 see what he's all about? And do you think he's finally found the measure of his, his role um, at the club and the effect he can have on the team? I do think so. I think that the the the, the last two performances, in particular against uh, Everton and and Manchester United, he's been man of the match, uh, Buendia, in both of those uh, fixtures. And you have to say that he's been nothing short of absolutely brilliant. Uh, Wendy has been incredible in those last two games. Some of his first touches, some of his little pirouettes, some of his little dances with the ball are, are Zinedine Zidane-esque. And I don't use that comparison lightly because he's doing twists and turns and flicks and tricks. And all the things that weren't coming off in the first few weeks of the season seem to be coming off now. So obviously he's betting in. I think the one thing that would, took me by surprise is that it, it has taken a little bit of time. You know, I just talked about in the last point, maybe having, having some patience with this front line. And obviously, Buendia's needed a little bit of patience. You know, I, for one, assumed, and again, it was another incorrect assumption, just like the early Watkins 20 goals this season. I assumed, because Buendia's been living in England for a few years, because he's had a year in the Premier League, because he's had a couple of years in the Championship, that he really was going to have no ad adaptation uh, uh, risk. He wasn't any kind of. He didn't have any kind of adaptation risk as a signing, and that he was just going to take to Aston Villa like a duck to water. But with all the due respect to Norwich, playing for Aston Villa in front of the Villa Park faithful, being the record signing, it, signing it may be a slightly different uh, um, thing for a player, and maybe it's taken him the six months to bed in. But it does look like now. 
it's beginning to look like we, we got a bit of a snip. I mean, I think I said when we got him, I think this is a 60 million pound player that we may have got for, you know, 35, 36. And it's just starting to, to look that way. He is be, he's beginning to be irresistible, actually. He is, isn't he? He certainly looks, I think it was the the United game um, in the Cup at Old Trafford where he was he was getting into some excellent positions and a lot of it was was his 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 own his own skill you know he's he's an incredibly skillful player and when those um tricks and flicks and things work you know work out when they when they when they come to fruition um you know he he, he does look incredibly good on the ball and um then we saw in the Brightford in the Brentford game although Villa were were, were quite poor he you know Excellent. He had an excellent assist for for Danny Ings in in that game, and then it's it's kind of gone from there and snowballed from there. And I thought I thought the first half, particularly against Everton, um, he really he's really stepping up. And whether whether Coutinho turning up has kind of helped that a little bit, and you know, kick kick that on a little bit and given him a bit of a, a, a motivation. Not necessarily that he'd, he'd be fearful for his place, but of course. When you see someone who potentially could replace you coming into the side, into the squad, um, it's, it has one of two effects, doesn't it? It either makes you think, "Oh, you know, I need to go because I'm not going to be in the team much longer," or, or you think, "Actually, no, I'm going to prove that I'm better than this guy, and I'm, I'm or I can play with him, and, and I'm, I want to keep my place." Yeah, I mean, it, I think definitely there's there's been a boost there, and this is competition for places which we haven't seen in the same way, and. The, the signing of Luca Dean, the, the bringing in of a, of a new goalkeeper, the talk of bringing in another central midfielder that we're going to discuss later on, Ings versus Watkins, Bailey to return from injury, Traore to return from AFCON, who's, Traore scored a lovely goal uh, the other day for uh, Burkino Faso, also missed a penalty in the same game, um, but scored a lovely, a lovely, a lovely uh, Bertie finish. Actually, Bertie playing through the middle for Burkino Faso, which, which is... I don't think anyone's ever come up uh, with that idea before. <laughs> I don't think anyone's <laughs> ever considered that, no. Um, so um, it, it is it is really, really encouraging just that we are turning into a serious... We're, we're, we're turning into a really serious outfit. And serious clubs have serious competition for places. So the idea that now it looks like Watkins or Ings, the idea that in a couple of weeks it may be Buendia or Traore, it may be Coutinho or Leon Bailey, it may be uh, 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 John McGinn or Douglas Luiz. It is really moving in a nice direction. And I think that you know the more the more quality players you have. Obviously, the 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 better in theory you can do, and 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 Brendia playing with Coutinho, I mean, obviously it's early days for Coutinho, and he's not quite fit. But when you put them side by side, you know their performances. You know, you would have said you would have said Brendia was the one that just came from Barcelona, wouldn't you, from the Everton game? Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And you know, obviously, in fairness to Coutinho, he is he is probably a bit rusty and. Part of the reason he he start he would have started against Everton would be to 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 build up those those match minutes, wouldn't it? And and to get him up to speed, certainly, you know, to get him a good chunk of game time before um, before this break, this this crazy two and a half week break we've got now. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so, yeah. 
hopefully Coutinho plays for Brazil. He's been called up for Brazil. Brendia has been called up for Argentina. I mean, it's incredible, actually, just to, just as a side note, you know, we talked and gave Dean Smith a lot of praise for all of the first-time internationals uh, that he guided at Aston Villa. Jack Grealish, first-time England international, Tyro Mings, uh, Matty Cash, Poland international, uh, Emmy Martinez making his debut for Argentina, um, so on and so forth. The list goes, this goes Douglas Louise, Wesley even. Loads of international debuts for uh, Dean Smith's uh, Aston Villa starlets, if you like. And it looks like the next one off the conveyor belt. I don't know who, who gets the credit for this one, Andy, uh, if, if Buendia makes his Argentina debut uh, this weekend. Is it is it a Gerard tick or a, a Smith tick? Or are we giving them half and half? Well, I think da- Daniel Fark might have something to say about it. But um, yeah, <laughs> I think... Uh, I think um I, I I don't know I think I think it's um yeah it would be Gerard wouldn't it because <laughs> his performances have uh, have 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 come on since then but you know the the credit in my opinion you know all goes to 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 Buendia, doesn't it? he's worked incredibly hard to get where he is he slummed it a little bit in in a sense you know having a couple of years in the championship as well um so he's 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 put the work in. He's put the hours in. He's 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 shown good commitment um, to Norwich, um, and he's he's proved he's a fighter. You know, he, he's 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 really struggled, hasn't he? Those first couple of months at Villa, and and he's 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 never shied away. He's never stopped trying it. He's never stopped trying those 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 skills and 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 running at players and. And, and taking players on and trying those killer passes, he's never he's never shied away from it. That does so the, show the credit. I, you're right there, yeah. Andy. That does show incredible mental fortitude. Actually, the fact that he was doing it and kept trying those things. You know, the the, the villa and you were there at Villa Park, and people are groaning because he's given the Brendy has given the ball away five, six, seven I was, times. I was one of those. <laughs> I was one of those. Yeah, and he, he picks yeah. it up and does it again, does it again, does it again. That is the kind of mentality. That 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 is kind of top level elite mentality. He's not hiding, yeah. and and now he's beginning to get the um, you know reap the reap the fruits of his uh, of his endeavor. So, it is a, a fair play to to Buendia. I hope he makes his international debut for Argentina in the coming international break. And yes, Andy has decided it is a tick in the Steven Gerrard international debut column. Dean Smith, sorry mate, you're gone. Gerrard's in. <laughs> <laughs> It's a brutal game, and we're 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 harsh over here on uh, on gather around the lamp. I'm afraid, um, but um, yeah, I'll just ask you quickly: what about the header? Superb header. We haven't, we haven't really mentioned it. Yeah, he's really good in the air. He's, he's really good in the air, isn't he? Um, we saw that yeah. with the goal against was it Brighton that Conza uh, robbed yeah. on the line? Was it Brighton or was yeah. it someone else? Yeah. Leicester. Leicester, there you go. Yeah, the the one that yeah. uh, Konza kind of, you know, t- scraped his toenail on and, and robbed. That was a very good header there from Buendia. You know, from, from generated a lot of power, headed it way into the corner. Schmeichel, before he, you know, ruptured every ligament in his thumb, uh, was, you know, diving full stretch, couldn't get anywhere near it. And Konza, you know, didn't really change the direction of the ball too much. So... Um, that was a good header. We saw the header against Manchester United, where which pick which uh, which uh, David de Gea saved a point blank range, and now this one he's he's put in the net. So I think we're seeing that he's got uh, he's, he's got a little bit of of aerial ability. Obviously, he is not the biggest, um, which 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 is what it is. But you know, we see with uh, Diego Hotter at Liverpool, 
you don't need to be the biggest if you're and and and, and Aguero was was wonderful in the air, not a tall man. But when he got the ball, you know, and when he was able to win the ball, you know, he was wonderful at guiding, guiding headed finishes into the goal. Diego Hotter's the same. And it looks like we've got one as well in Buendia, who, although not biggest in stature, his command of, of the football with his head is absolutely beautiful. Yeah, and you've got to use these things, haven't you? If you've got that that pinpoint delivery um, from, from Luca Dean, then it's about making the right run, isn't it? You know, and... Um, He's obviously a you know he's a he's a talented boy, isn't he, Buendia? And he and he's 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 good with his head. He probably doesn't get the opportunity to 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 use it. But the other aspect is, I mean, you know, Dan has often talked about Buendia's work rate um, in the side. You know, obviously that relates to to his running, his pressing, um, you know, trying to win the ball back, all that sort of thing. But he he never shirks a, an aerial challenge. He's often nowhere near it. But he he will go up and he will he'll make it difficult for the defender. He'll get his probably you know he's digging his elbows in and he's getting getting in their faces. And you know I love that. I absolutely love that. And I think it was the commentator uh, Darren Fletcher over here on um, on BT Sport who said um, he's got an incredible um, ability to to whinge like hell at the referee with a massive smile on his face and it's so it's 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 quite endearing really in many ways just like bruno fernandez oh we 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 should we should um we should make his his name a swear word on 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 this podcast oh I my think. goodness yeah. i mean I, I think bruno fernandez does it without the smile he does it with a, no, a kind I've of never seen him smile a, a kind of constant scowl he looks yeah, yeah. He, he looks constantly upset that man yeah yeah you wouldn't believe he was so rich would you but there we are <laughs> um so yeah well, well done boy dear we're just you know re- really pleased to see that that progress really and hopefully it'll continue hopefully it'll come back from argentina unscathed maybe with some maybe with a cap um a steven gerrard cap and, um, andy a steven gerrard cap yes and he can thank <laughs> steven gerrard for the opportunity and um and get on with the second half of the season but it was the second half of of this match which was inevitably a, a, a completely different story to the first as everton went went a bit old school in search of a an equalizer um the game became scrappy and, and ferguson's men um looked to unsettle villa really with long balls diagonals um, and far more aggression in midfield. Um, Villa creaked, of course, but didn't crack. Um, and Everton were guilty of, of wasting some some decent opportunities in, in the second half. Um, if the first half was a victory for the attacking brilliance, um, or, or I say brilliance, it was, it was okay, um, it was the grit and defensive stubbornness, really, which won the day in the second now, Craig, I, I know you love a clean sheet. Um, so how much did this one warm your heart? I do love a clean sheet, both in my personal life and also in football. Um, it makes me very happy. Um, nothing like cl- cl- clambering in between a, a, a nice, warm, clean sheet, freshly laundered. And there's nothing like Aston Villa having a fresh, clean sheet. And it does warm my heart. And I know that I, I, I tweet about this. They're, they're not sexy. They're not exciting. People don't celebrate them necessarily like I do. But I love a, I absolutely love them. And I love ones like this where I, we said last week, you know, there are times where you have to dig in. And Villa had to do that here. It was very scrappy. You know, Duncan Ferguson in his post-show interview 
reminded me a little bit of early man in some of his uh, observations and um some of the football was 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 similar similar similarly similar, similarly rudimental in nature and um <laughs> you know i was banging on in the group chat uh, for the villa lamp pod from probably about 55 minutes for courtney horse to come on um for that very reason because he is you know he's the best header of the ball football defensive header of football at the football club and they were just you know it was Wimbledon football for anyone old enough to remember that reference it was long diagonals let's get it out to this lad Gordon who who had a good game and we're just going to pump it in the box pump it in the box which is fine because their their major weapon is is Calvert-Lewin and he is obviously exceptional in the air so I understand the logic behind it Um, and you you have to weather the storm you have to ride it out you know teams like Burnley have a wonderful record against Aston Villa uh, we can rarely beat them because they they do this stuff and they do it very well. And Villa are normally unable to cope. So it's really encouraging when we are able to cope, when we do have that grit and determination and defensive stubbornness, which which Andy mentions. And again, once you have a clean sheet, you know you can you can very easily win the game with the attacking brilliance that we have on display. You always fancy Buendia to do something. You always fancy Coutinho to do something. You always fancy that uh, John McGinn might be able to pull something out of the bag. We always, we know we have the attackers, so we, we can get the defence right. We're always going to do really, really well. And we'll need to get the defence right moving forward to go on the run that we need to go on to reach our European Conference League targets. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, and we'll, we'll 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 go into that a bit more <laughs> bit more detail later. But I was I was just really pleased. You could you could tell um, Gerard was as well. He was absolutely buzzing with that second half. Um, he he obviously wants to see us attacking. He wants us to see us passing the ball nicely and 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 creating opportunities and scoring goals, of course. But I just felt like the, he he's been wanting this performance for such a long time. You know where we really come up against it, and we have to suffer and dig in and and do the do the nasty side of the game well, and we absolutely did. It was it was impressive um, from a purely defensive perspective. Um, people will obviously look at certain certain incidents in the game where, in particular, Tyrone Mings maybe give the ball away. I know there was one where he he kind of tried to pass it to Martinez along the, the byline and, and 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 it went out of play. Um, if they'd have scored from that corner, I think there might have been uh, um, a few pelters coming Mings' direction. But he does the defensive side of things so well and he, he organises the defence so well. And I know we keep saying it, but, um, you know, he's he, when he's when he's there, I just feel so much more comfortable. Yeah, and I, you know, I I hear on on other Villa podcasts, and I see on on Twitter in some of the, the conversations that um, that Mings would automatically be the first one to make way should Villa sign a, a, a centre half. Everyone keeps saying we need an upgrade on Mings. We need an upgrade on Mings. I'm not so sure Mings is the defender that 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 leaves the party if Villa sign a a new centre back. I think it could be the other one. Um, not necessarily because of um, just on the field stuff, but also in terms of leadership, we see that Konza without Mings is not quite the same player. That's just been a, a factual thing that we've seen. And I think, was it Ashley Priest from the Mail? There was something like 11 games that, that Mings has missed um, in since we were promoted and we've won one. 
drawn two or something like that and lost the rest of them. That's not a coincidence, ladies and gentlemen. That is because Mings is integral to, to, to what we do and is integral to what uh, Konza is able to do as well. So again, when Villa do sign a centre-back, we're going to talk about that in a minute, um, I'm not so sure it, it's going to be Mings making way. I think that uh, Konza is very, very good. He's very, very steady. But also Konza has some some areas where he could do with improving. Um, he isn't dominant in the air like Mings or, or Hawes is. Um, decent in the air, but not not dominant. He's he's much better on the deck. But one area where uh, Courtney Hawes really struggles, which is also one of the reasons why he is rumoured to not not have been considered for England, is with his progressive passes. Um, Konza really doesn't make too many progressive passes. He doesn't switch the play um, in 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 any kind of way. Uh, you know, he he's playing short five yard balls either to Cash or to or to or to Mings or into 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 uh, Douglas Louise. So, you know, there are areas to improve. The, the, the one thing that we, we, we can all be sure of with this Aston Villa is there is going to be new defenders. There is going to be competition for places and everyone is going to have questions to answer. That means Mings, that means Konsa, it means Matty Cash. A target's already got his questions to answer. Douglas Louise is going to have questions to answer. Everyone is, everyone is up for the chopping block in this Steven Gerrard uh, team, uh, we, uh, you know, Ollie Watkins included, you know, we've talked about that already. So there's going to be some movement, there's going to be some changes, and um, but but the, the, the clean sheet was a really, really nice start. And I think it's going to be really important to build on those clean sheets moving forward because they are crucial. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, you kind of mentioned there, Craig, how much you love a clean sheet in your personal life as well. Um and I'm sure there's, you know, it's it's not just about the laundry, is it? It's about it's about personal hygiene as well, keeping a clean sheet. It, it it really is, and it's also about feeling clean. You know, there is there are a few better feelings. Well, I, I'll speak for myself. One of the things that I particularly enjoy is that feeling after you've just got out of the shower. You know, the the room's all steamy. You, you've dried yourself off. You've applied your 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 cream. I I apply cream all the time, um, and you you start to get dressed. You you're smelling fresh and you're feeling good. And what I like to do then is I like to slide on a pair of manscaped boxer shorts, and I'm actually wearing the manscaped boxer shorts right now, right this second. They are called the performance boxer briefs okay and the reason i am wearing them is because they are made with microfiber which is blended and designed to keep high friction areas cool gentlemen do we know which areas are high friction inside of your boxer shorts i think we do okay now <laughs> they've created they've been specially created to reduce the risk of the dreaded Swamp crotch. Now, swamp crotch is where you get lots of moisture down there and you start to get sweaty patches forming around your crotchal area. It's absolutely disgusting. It's absolutely gross. Manscaped performance boxer briefs ensure that that is a thing of the past. And let me tell you why this is important. Not only for your personal pride as a man, but also... Also, 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 if you are about to get into an intimate moment with a loved one, 
Or maybe they're not a loved one. Maybe they're a stranger, even more fun. Or, or, or as much fun, should I say. And then, <laughs> and then you're, you're, you're in the throes of passion. You remove your shirt, you pull down your jeans, and someone's ready to go to town on your, on your under area, and they see the swamp crotch. And they think to themselves, uh-uh, not today. They put the they put the red the red light up. They put the brakes on. They hit reverse, and you all of a sudden are left not only with swamp crotch but blue balls. And you know why? Because you were not wearing your manscaped performance boxer briefs. So you can get the manscaped performance boxer briefs with our promo code, which is Lamp L A M P. And you can get them shipped to your house wherever you live. It's free international shipping and 20% off with our promo code LAMP, L-A-M-P. And you can also share the boxes. I mean, ladies, listen, I'm sure that these can keep your labia cool. Uh, you know, I, I don't have labia, so I don't know, but I'm imagining it's going to be fine. These can be used for everyone to keep their areas cool, beautiful, and ready to mingle. Manscaped.com. <laughs> Thank you, Craig. Keep those uh, areas cool and your sheets clean, like the Villa defence. <laughs> nice one. Anyway, um, Villa fans, <laughs> Villa fans are now eagerly awaiting news on on new additions who may arrive before the transfer window closes on the thirty first of January. Uh, it is reported that Gerard is in the market for a central midfielder and possibly a centre back. Um, and there have been strong links this week to Rodrigo Bentecourt from Juventus. Um, however, it's thought that, that Juve perhaps want a replacement before they sanction his exit. Um, Bentecourt would represent a, a, a return to the model um, of signing younger players, possibly below market value, who have, um, who have the potential to improve the first team and appreciate in value. Although um, he clearly has experience at the highest level as well with Juventus and and um, forty plus caps for for Uruguay as well. Um, would you be pleased if Villa can get this one over the line? Um, and can you see a centre back coming in now? Um, as there have really been sort of no major links um, in this area. Um, yeah, I think I, I can see a centre back coming in. I think it. it it has been rumoured that this could be a, um, a a loan deal, you know, just to keep us ticking along until the end of the season, which is fine as long as that loan is, you know, um, is 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 low cost and not expecting to walk into the team. Um, that's absolutely fine. Maybe a player who is struggling for for for, um, for for appreciation elsewhere can come and join the wonderful Villa dressing room and enjoy his seat on the bench. Um, or again, I'd be happy to see uh, some of our young players, be it Swinkle or, or Bogard or, or Kerr, the new one, uh, being the fourth choice uh, centre-half. Um, I, I don't think a centre-half is an emergency as much as a DM is. I think the uh, the, the young man, uh, Bentanka, has, uh, has an opportunity here to, to join the ranks of Absolutely incredible Aston Villa players with Bent in their name. I'm thinking of obviously Darren Bent, who went on a gold glut under Gerard Houllier to keep Aston Villa in the Premier League. I'm thinking obviously of his replacement, arguably Christian Benteke, who rose to heights 
he would never race to again, actually, at Aston Villa. Uh, and uh, obviously his uh, his career badly, f- badly faded, actually, after he left Villa. So um, let that be a lesson to you, Joe. And... Um, Benteke, yeah, you know, this is this is the real ilk of, of of signings. It is a different thing. You know, last season we were signing players from Norwich, Nottingham Forest, um, and and um, and and play and and teams of and Brentford and teams of that ilk. To now be signing players potentially from Juventus, from uh, and 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 uh, and uh, Barcelona shows you where where we're moving along to. Um, but Benteke, I don't. I'm not sure that he is the dedicated number six. I feel from what I've read and the scouting reports and what I know of him, he is also more of a number eight. So I don't know if we're collecting number eight, or I don't know if this means the end of 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 of, of my my Brazilian beauty, Douglas Luiz. Yeah, I'm not sure really. I mean, there, there has been there's a bit of debate about this one. Obviously, I'm I'm not I'm not sure Juventus are always the the easiest club to um to deal with. Um, and I mean, he played for for Juventus the other night as well in Serie A, which is never a particularly good sign. Um, if a player is is meant to be on the way out, usually they you know they they don't play or they they stay on the bench. But he did play, um, so I'm not sure with this one. And I know you know there is there is, there are links to um, Bubica Kamara as well, who I think plays for Marseille. Um, you know he's 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 highly rated, um, and he is more of a, a defensive midfielder, I believe. Um, but clearly, they want someone in that area of the field, don't they? Um, you know, uh, whether it be you know a classic kind of um, defensive midfielder in in the Cambers mould, or whether they want more of a pivot type player, more of a Henderson type type figure in there, which which I think Bentanka would be. So it's it. it it's a tricky one, really, and like you say, we've kind of already got Douglas Louise, who I think you know is a is a is a really. Um, I think he, he it's more about his potential. I just think his potential ceiling is so high, um, and I wouldn't want to miss out on that by signing someone else, replacing him, and then Douglas Louise leaving. Um, but you know. I suppose that you know we we do miss that that number six in there, don't we? Um, in terms of the defender, I'd, I've no idea. It's just that we haven't had, you know, the, the reports suggest we're we're looking at a, a centre back, but there's just been no links really, apart from Gomez, and that was, you know, pie in the sky really, as far as I'm I'm concerned. So it's it's a it's a tough one. Um, in in many ways, I'd I'd be more inclined to go with what we've got in midfield. Um, you know, with Nakamba coming back at some point as well, so we've got plenty of options. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it here. We are uh, looking at Douglas Louise, Morgan Sanson, Ramsey, McGinn, Nakamba, Chokwemenka, and Bentaker. That would be seven players for three spots. That doesn't work, does it, Andy? No, no. If, if if Bentaker's coming in or Bisuma. Uh, as was the, the, you know, it was revealed, I think, since the last podcast that we had a £25 million bid rejected for him. It would stand to reason someone is off. And you would think probably Sanson, would it be the Camber or it's going to be Douglas Louise? Douglas Louise is the, the, the more frightening one because he only has uh, 18 months to run on his deal. But as you say, the potential with Douglas Louise, I think 
potentially, you know, Douglas Louise has a much higher ceiling maybe than, than any of them apart from Ramsey or Chokwemenka. I mean, Douglas Louise, people forget, he's, he's still very young. You know, he's, this isn't a 27, 28, 29-year-old. This is a guy who's 23. This is a guy who's still maturing, you know, physically, still maturing emotionally. Uh, this is a man in love, as we see, you know, and that could do wonderful <laughs> things to you. I hope he's... I'm, I'm not sure how clean his sheets are at the moment. Um, and um, the, 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 the thing with Douglas Ruiz is he's already an Olympic winner. He's already a Brazilian international with, with multiple caps, not a one-cap wonder like old uh, Wes was. Um, thank you, Ben Me And um, Douglas Ruiz, I believe, and I've said on this podcast before and we'll reiterate here, I think he's going to play for a Juve one day. I think he's going to play for a Paris Saint-Germain. I think he's going to play uh, for, a, for, for a Bayern Munich. I, I think he could be that good. So do you lose him now potentially on a free transfer or for a cut price fee or do you do whatever you can can do to time up to to a new deal and, and and kind of use him as one of the cornerstones to build around well this is it and you know the the one thing that Douglas Suiz certainly couldn't complain about is game time he, he he's played i think i read today somewhere on 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 twitter that he's played um more games than anyone other than Tyro Mings since we got promoted um, eighty odd, eighty odd games. So he's he's always in the team, pretty much. Um, you know, clearly heavily relied on by by Dean Smith and and of course uh, Gerard. He's probably he he's the style of midfielder that he is. He probably fitted more into Dean Smith's um, style of, style of sort of deep lying pivot midfielder than than he does in in Gerard's team. But I think he's I think he's adapted perfectly well he's not the type of midfielder that you know necessarily is going to you know hunt down the ball and and you know win the ball back and and, and lay it off he's not he's not a Nakamba he's not a Kante he's not a Makaleli. Um but when he has the ball he's very very good at, good on it he's quite press resistant he can he can you know he can beat a man he can he's very skillful he's his range of passing is excellent and I just feel that sometimes we're 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 too quick to say we need someone else. We need to replace this guy because he's not doing what we need him to do now. Um, rather than, you know, thinking, well, well, how can we, how can we um, get the best out of him, and how can we, how can we improve him? Because his ceiling is incredibly high, and we need uh him. And also, sometimes it is kind of better the devil, you know. We've just talked about, you know. Buendia being a no-brainer and thinking, ah, he's going to sell straight in, no problem at all. It didn't work out like that. Like that, it, you know, it take it took him a good six months to settle in. Who's saying Bentaker comes in and hits the ground running? Maybe Bentaker comes in, you know, similar profile to to Morgan Sanson, Champions League midfielder. Sanson a little bit older, a little bit more experienced. Sanson maybe through no fault of his own has just been injury riddled for for uh, for for the whole time, and and now probably could be moved along you know there's no guarantee that bringing in a, a player uh, uh, like Bentaker is going to be is going to be an improvement on what we already have um, you know I would I would Douglas Ruiz is one of the players that I would look to build around uh, you know with, with the likes of, of Konza in terms of that younger 23 24 year old that, that could really be here for the long term um, he would be one of those pillars for me but um, but you know, it, it, it seems as though the fact that he hasn't signed a new deal, probably there's no smoke without fire there. 
maybe Gerard and or Smith or Louise himself has other ideas. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing, and you know, I'd I'd be quite quite disappointed to lose to lose Douglas Louise at this stage. Um, I, I just think he's the, like I said before, the potential's so high, and you know, um, I just with him, I, I'm kind of going against what I said about when we signed Luca Dean, and you know, I, I sort of said that you know we needed to replace Matt Target really and and raise the um, raise the quality in that area and I suppose I've kind of gone against that with Douglas Louise here but I just think I just think he's got so much more to give and I think as well players in that kind of position you know do develop much later um, and there are areas of his game which I think I think will will get better over the next three or four years and I think we could look back like you say um, in four or five years time and think we had one of the best midfielders in Europe sat in our midfield um, when we got promoted. Yeah, I I I, I think Douglas Louise is one to watch. I think he's, you know, I I I can't be more effusive in my praise for him. And and I would, um, I would, if if he wants to stay, you know, that could he might want to leave. I, we don't know, but if he wants to stay, I would absolutely offer him a new deal, and I would make him a key component of what we're we're doing. And that doesn't mean he's an automatic starter because, again, this is what we're talking about. We want competition for places. Uh, Douglas Louise shouldn't be playing 80 games at 23 and he has to mid- Villa midfield. He should be used in fits and starts here and there and, um, you know, be a cornerstone of the squad, absolutely. And um, But but we'll see. I'm, I'm, I, I would, if you, if, you, if you ask me now, would I rather Benteker or keep Douglas Louise? I'd rather keep, if it's not, it's not necessarily a straight choice. But if it were, I would keep Douglas Louise. Yeah, I think I would as well. Um, but there have been a, um, a couple of new, um, big new deals over the over the last week as well. Um, just after we recorded last week, Courtney Hawes <laughs> uh, signed a new contract. Just as we were we were talking about him leaving, um, and uh, then last Friday, Emmy Martinez um, also um, out of the blue, really. Um, committed his future to the club as well. Um, I say we talked last week about the potential for, for Hawes to to be subject of transfer interest from West Ham. And also we've expressed concerns over the over the months really about um about whether Martinez might look elsewhere for European football if, if Villa weren't to make it this season. Um how how did you react to these uh these contracts um being signed? Um and for for a world class international goalkeeper like Martinez, so keen to remain um, part of the Aston Villa project, yeah, I was incredibly I was incredibly stunned by 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 this actually. Um, is it the is it the Yashin Award for the for the goalies? Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, this is this is this is. I've been an Aston Villa fan a long, long time. <laughs> And I'm happy to be corrected if if I'm wrong. At Craig Storrod on Twitter, you can direct your corrections to me personally. But I do not remember Aston Villa having a goalkeeper in the conversation for being the best goalkeeper in the world. I'm not saying he is the, the best goalkeeper in the world, but even to have an Aston Villa goalkeeper in the conversation, I don't think that Mr. Mark Bunn was in that conversation. I'm not sure that... Uh, Golini was in that conversation. I'm not sure even the mighty Sam Johnston was in that conversation. <laughs> Whereas we have a goalkeeper who is literally world level. And I 
was concerned, and you were definitely concerned, Andy. We were all concerned that if we did not qualify for Europe this season, that would be it for Martinez because the Champions League boys were going to come sniffing. Now, I have been somewhat burned by a certain Mr. Grealish signing a new contract and being out the door months later. So I will caution my excitement with that, understanding that these things can happen. But I'm overwhelmed by it. I think it's it's so exciting that, that Martinez is committed. He's so important for Aston Villa. He is just at the right age for a goalkeeper, late 20s. You know, he could be our goalkeeper for another eight, nine, ten years if he wants to be. So the fact that he has seen and heard what this project is, the fact that he believes in this project, and the fact that he has signed and committed himself, his future and his family's future, and tied it to Aston Villa, is really big news. And I am very, very grateful for it. With the caveat that I do also remember feeling similar things when Jack Grealish signed a new deal. (laughs) Yeah, and Fabian Delph, I seem <laughs> to remember. But um but yeah, I think um I think that's it, isn't it? And 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 to see as well the the appreciation, you know, his interview um on on AV AV TV um when he signed was was excellent really and he was he he seemed very appreciative of the, the opportunity that Villa Villa gave him. You know, this was a this was a man who, you know, had He'd come into the Arsenal team after ten years of being there um, and being out on loan and never really getting his opportunity. He'd won the FA Cup with Arsenal, and they still weren't sure if they wanted to keep him. You know, and Villa put an awful lot of faith in and said, "No, we want you to come and be our our number one." Um, and he he just seemed, you know, and and. You know, rightfully in some ways, you know, he's appreciative of the opportunity, but he's also got to think of his career and his family and, and his, his his international career as well. Now he's the the Argentina number one. He wants to stay there. He wants more trophies, you know, at club level and international level. So um he's he's obviously he's obviously you know, he's he's it's a leap of faith for him, you know, because he could go and play, you know, for you know, one of the big clubs in Europe. I have no doubt about it. Um, but he's 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 shown the, the you know he's shown that loyalty now. He's shown that type of loyalty that that perhaps the the club have shown him. Um, and he's, uh, he's 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 signed. And yeah, I mean, when I when I saw it pop up on uh, on Twitter last week, I, I was I was stunned, absolutely stunned. To be fair. Um, and we joked, didn't we? It's the biggest news since Coutinho signed. <laughs> yes, the the big news is keeps coming and coming. And and you mentioned um, you mentioned the 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 whores chat that we had last week on the show. Yeah, just a small disclaimer here: we are recording on Wednesday, January twenty sixth. The time is eight oh nine p.m. in the UK. Uh, it's twenty twenty two is the year. If you're if you've been in space. Um, so, you know, things may happen before this is released. Sometimes it takes a couple of days or or a few more for us to get the, the podcast out there. So just uh, hold tight with us because there are some exciting things. We are moving into the last few days of the transfer window, but just a quick word on Courtney Hawes. This one also slightly took me by surprise. I think that, that, that Hawes also kind of, I suppose, in technical terms, had only six months less on, on his deal, but Villa had a a year option on that. So that's an 18 month deal, really, if Villa wanted to trigger that. So uh, Courtney Hawes, 
I think um, has been an able backup. I think that he needs more more game time. I think it's really unfair to ask him to come in out of the cold and, and perform at the top level when he doesn't play for months on end. But part of that is hopefully European campaign. Part of that, as Gerard alluded to, is having more matches and having better cut runs. You know, we had a, a, a piss poor run in the FA Cup and a piss poor run in the Carabao Cup um, out out very early doors in, in, in both of those competitions. So um, hopefully we can improve on that next year and there'll be more game time for the likes of Courtney Horse um, because he has proven himself to be an able, an able deputy, an able, an able backup and for £3 million from Wolves, um, really about as good value for money other than John McGinn as you're going to find. Yeah, I think he's been, he has been great value, hasn't he? And, you know, I really like the fact that um, that Gerard has seen enough in him to 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 want him to be the backup to to Mings you know knowing that you know if 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 something happened to Mings he he could be he could be in there you know for a long a long spell it's a lot of um it's a lot of um of faith to put in a player i think and um i think Courtney Hawes deserves that absolutely i think it, whenever he comes in um he's very reliable i think he had a, a bit of a shaky match against uh, Brentford but you know, he's no worse than anyone else in that game, really. So, um, he's always, he's always, um, you know, and and his attitude is so good. You know, whenever he whenever he speaks on camera, um, I, I get the feeling he's he's you know he's taking it seriously. He likes being at the club. He he respects the club, and he and he he's he's, he's very kind of happy happy to be here. So I, I was. I was really pleased to see that news as well. Um, I think we might have struggled to, you know, I, I don't think they would have sold him without getting a replacement in, but then we'd have possibly needed two centre-backs. So, um, and I just think he's he, he can cover on both sides as well, can't he? Although he's very left-footed, he, he can cover the, the left and right centre-back positions. Yeah, and when he came on for Konza, uh, when Konza got injured during the, the Man United game, actually having him was, was beneficial to us because I talked earlier about Konza not really being particularly ambitious with his passing. Courtney Hawes, with his left foot, sprayed... I think two or three wonderful. I think two or three he tried two. I think one missed, but two hit the mark. He sprayed from that right hand side of the fence two wonderful balls over the top to Luca Dean in that Man United game, where Luca Dean was 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 in acres of space, and that's the kind of ball that Conza doesn't play. Um, so you know he showed himself to be to be um, to, to to be able on the ball as well. That was really that was a really funny thing with Courtney Horse. In the championship, he always looked really good on the ball at left back. He'd go on little mazy runs. And then I think in his first season in the Premier League, I don't know if it was nerves or whatever, it, the, the ball seemed like a bit of a hot potato to him. So it's anyway, whatever's happened, he, he seems to have settled down. He's not scared to play a, a long raking ball, which you need your centre-backs to do. Um, it is an area where Conza needs to look at in terms of, of improving his England credentials, I think. And um, and Courtney Hawes does it. So more power to Courtney and um, he can be our power Hawes. For years to come. <laughs> Very good, yeah. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> um, but on on the outgoing um, side, several academy players have also gone on loan um, for the second half of the season. Philogene Bidace, as we mentioned last week, sealed his move to Stoke. Uh, Cameron Archer has gone to Preston North End, joining Keenan Davis, who had, who had left um, already left to to go to the Championship with, uh, and he's having a. A promising spell, really, at Nottingham Forest. 
um, so far. These um, seem like excellent moves for these players at a good level um, and probably shows the, the progression of the academy. Um, you know, so can can these players um, that are going that are making these low moves force their way into into Gerard's thinking, or or do you think these are more kind of shop window loans for them? Um, I think that uh, it's going to be. It's, it's first of all, it's incredible for us to have three players um, getting championship loans at this point. You know, it, you know, we were we were a championship team not that long ago, so for us to have that now, our, our kind of youth players playing. Uh, some of them towards the top end of the championship is really, really encouraging. Great for Keenan Davis to get off the mark for um, for Nottingham Forest as well. Um, I think with Keenan Davis, it's a question of 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 game time. I know lots of people have given up on him. I have not given up on him. Um, I think he needs a run of games. I think he needs probably two years in the championship, not just six months, where he just needs to play Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, to see what he's made of, to see if his body can withstand the rigours of, of football. I think anyone who works with Keenan, Dean Smith was very effusive about him. Jack Grealish was very effusive about Keenan Davis in training. Even Gerard came in and I think said he'd been impressed with Keenan Davis in training. So he's clearly got something. Um and injuries and, and, and whatever have, 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 have stopped his development. So he has time now and he has space to develop. So I, I think there's still a chance for Keenan Davis. I know people will be laughing as, they, as they're cycling down the road at me, but I do believe that there is something in Keenan that could be an Aston Villa weapon. Um, and as for the young lads, we're going to see. We're going to see what they're made of. Um, we've had some really unfortunate loan moves. You know, Louis Barry, probably the most disappointing of the lot. Um, and Brad Young also not having a great time of it. Reiki not having a great time of it. So lots of our FA Cup youth winning starlets have not had the best of times out on loan. So now we have a chance to see uh, Philogene Bedace. We have to, a chance to see Cameron Archer, see what they're made of. You know, the championship is a very high, high level league. It's a very competitive league, as we Vela fans know only so well. So the, the proof is going to be in, in the pudding. Um, if these players want to have a future Aston Villa, they're going to all have to improve markedly. And that, that includes Keenan Davis. So, um, you know, it's it's time for the players to put up or shut up, I guess. No, it is. It is I have to say, um, it's Cameron Archer is the one for me that I'm, I'm most excited about. I, I really think he's got something in, you know, the, the way, just the way he, he, he takes his opportunities. You know, we've talked... Um, today about you know our current um, centre forward uh, Ollie Watkins and how just in front of goal he seems to have lost all his his confidence well Cameron Archer just seems to have it in in abundance you know takes his shots early you know he, he can he's you know he can create them himself he can shoot from distance he can finish in the box and of course I, I just remember that that Great header against Chelsea um, in the Carabao Cup. It was it was superb. So he seems to have that all round kind of strikers package. Really, the only issue um, maybe for him is 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 his size. He's he's a little bit on the small side, but you know I don't I don't necessarily that hasn't held strikers back historically. Um, if you can. If you can get those opportunities, and we've obviously talked about how Buendia's you know, winning balls in the air in the penalty area, so there's no reason why why Archer can't really. And um, you know, I'm I'm really keen for him to do do really well at Preston and um, and come into 
and, and be a genuine option in the first team next season for us. Well, yeah, Archer's uh, Archer's nickname around Bodymore Heath is apparently Tevez. Um, any, any anyone okay. who yeah, that's apparently the nickname. Anyone who has any memories of Carlos Tevez um, in in England uh, for both Manchester United, Man City, and West Ham as well. Inter- inter- interesting deal that was uh, to West Ham, but that's a, a different podcast. Um, at Manchester United, uh, uh, in particular, Tevez was just something of a, a unicorn. He was not very big. He was not necessarily very quick. But he was, he also at the same time had wonderful physicality. He had incredible work rate, incredible tenacity. And talk about knowing where the goal is. He could score all kinds of goals. He could score tap-ins inside the area, outside the area, right foot, left foot, on the head, just as you mentioned there, there, Andy. So, you know, Cameron Archer, I think, is one that we've we spoke about before that's taken everyone by surprise. A really under, lo- underwhelming loan spell at Solihull Moors. Um People at Villa admittedly were saying, I think there was an interview with old your, your favourite old uh, The Bard at the beginning of the season, old uh, Shake, Craigie Shakespeare, that, uh, you know, admitting that Archer just kind of came back from nowhere in pre-season. He just started banging in hat-tricks in, in, in the training games. And then he took that into the Papa John's Trophy. He took that into the Carabao Cup, scoring against Chelsea. Um, it, 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 a wonderful headed goal. So let's see now. I mean, it is it is really, really exciting. Um, and 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 also probably Archer will be. I, I spoke about the disappointment for the likes of Louis Barry, Brad Young, and and, and Reiki in their previous loans. Archer is evidence to those young lads as well that you know having one or two bad loan spells does not a career make. You can still reset, rebuild, and come again. So uh, good luck to Archer at Preston. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to check out some Preston games now on my uh, ESPN Plus as we have it over here. The championship is 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 broadcast on. Yeah, I believe he's on the bench tonight against West Bromwich Albion. Um, so hopefully he gets on and gets some gets some minutes and hopefully he can show what he what he can do because I think. I might be wider the mark, but I think he's really got something, and and he could have a have a really good career in the Premier League. Um, I think he's got he's got he's I think he's that good, um, but we'll see we'll see. Um, Villa now have two weekends off um, as there is now a, a blank weekend for some reason, and uh, and we're not involved in the FA Cup fourth round the following weekend. So the next match will be at home to Leeds on the 9th of February. Um, Gerard has indicated that it will use this time as a mini pre-season to get more more plans over to the players um, and create a, a bit of a reset to, to kick on for the remainder of the season. It will also be a chance um, to bed in the, the new players. Um, certainly, well, Coutinho is probably on the other side of the world right now, but um, and uh, you know get the fitness levels up and 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 the, um, so they're up to the, the right standard. Um, this has may have come at the right time for, for Gerard and the squad as they will undoubtedly be targeting a late run into the European places, um, however unlikely that, that might seem at the moment. But with um, a run of winnable fixtures coming up, um, what do you think the real realistic targets are now? I think the realistic target, you would say, is is to, is to improve. I think we all spoke about on this podcast how you know with with the exit of of, of Grealish and and how that happened so late in the day with the with the transfer window of really short pre-season for everyone because of the Euros in the summer we all you know believe that it would be the second half of the season after the turn of the year that Villa you know started to kick into gear in reverse to what last season was where we were brilliant up till Christmas and then you know fell apart 
uh, basically coincided with um, old biscuit shins being out. Um, so we did expect it or hope it would be the other way around. And now the, the time is now. I just said to the young player, the young players on loan, it's time to put up or shut up. It's time for Villa to put up or shut up. The owners cannot keep, not, not to be all, all, all down in the dumps about this or, or, or cynical, but the owners cannot continue to, to invest this level of money and not have European football sooner or later. Now, I'm not, obviously, we're not going to make it into the Champions League this year. We're also very, it's going to be very tricky to make it into the Europa League. So I think we target the Europa Conference League. And I think we target that as a competition that we can win next year. Yes, it's not the most glamorous of competitions. I think some of the English clubs thus far have treated it with disdain. Brendan Rodgers with some some questionable comments about it. But, you know, a, a European night is a European night at Villa Park. So we have to focus on getting into Europe. We have to focus on winning the next round of fixtures. We have to focus on cancelling finally bringing cancel culture to the Aston Villa goal giveaway club. Lucas, Luca D nearly tried to join the club uh, by slipping, I think, against Everton. But thankfully <laughs> that was, that Douglas Louise actually, I think, uh, uh, it's moved as fast as I've ever seen him move to help recover that situation. And a, a poor uh, touch from Decore helped with that. So let's get rid of that. Let's delete it. Delete, delete, delete Aston Villa goal giveaway club. Um, let's keep it tight. Let's keep our sheets clean like Manscaped. And let's let our wonderful attacking talent do the work. Traore's coming back. Bailey's coming back. Coutinho's getting up to speed. Watkins and Ings can, you know, if, if one isn't playing well, you drop one and stick the other one in. There are goals in this Steven Gerrard side. Let's 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 do it. Let's let's target a run and 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 see where see see where we are. But I don't think the eighth place, which I think is what we need, you know, it's just two two places where we above where we are now. I don't think that's completely pie in the sky if we have a very strong finish to the season, as I believe we can. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think there's uh, there could be shades of um, that second half of the season um, in the championship in the promotion season where we 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 were. I, I'm not saying we're going to win 10 in a row, but you know, certainly um, we picked up a lot of points in the second half of that season and, 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 and eventually achieved our aim. We can do that. You know, we, we, you know, I think we have the players. We certainly have the attacking talent to do it. Um, it's just like you say, whether, whether we can, uh, we can add that defensive solidity back, which we have done before, you know, the, it's not, we're not strangers to being able to keep clean sheets um, you know, it was what was it? The, was it the record or joint record last season with with fifteen? It's it, you know, it's it's perfectly possible that we can we can become very very stingy at the back again. Um, but this time on this occasion now we have the the quality going forward as well, um, and we need to really be making the most of that. I wonder whether and we seventh. No, sorry, I think on. seventh place actually might be the uh, the, the conference. Um, Conference League, I would absolutely love it. I don't care what Brendan Rodgers thinks or um, or what Conte thinks or whoever. I I would love Aston Villa to be in that competition. It would it would be tangible a tangible um, sign of of the progress that the that we've made under this ownership if we if we qualify for that competition. It would, and and the one thing that's going to help with that the the reason that our European charge uh, fell apart last season was because we didn't have the depth. You know, uh, Grealish was injured, and the the you know we there was no there was no plan B. And that was one of the things that I also used, you know, was disappointing with Smith that he, he refused to switch from the, the system designed for Grealish when he had no more Grealish. 
Um, whereas now we have a plethora of attacking options, Andy, an absolute plethora. It is like a, uh, a smorgasbord of options here. Uh, Coutinho got a problem? No problem. We've got £30 million Leon Bailey. Uh, we've got a problem on the, on the right with Brendia. No worries. We've got the wizard um, um, Traore. Uh, Ollie Watkins keeps missing <laughs> six-yard sitters. No problem. We have England international finisher Danny Ings. Uh, also, we've got the young lad, uh, uh, Menka as well, uh, who's, who's, who's getting better and better, bigger and better all the time, as well as some other supplemental options to, to come in. So we have the squad depth. We have the abilities in our forward line. I think we're going to start to score more and more goals. I think actually at some point we're going to give a team a real hiding, actually, this, 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 with this attacking talent. I think someone, someone soon is going to be on the end of an absolute spanking from Aston Villa. And um, it is just the question, can we stop the rot at the other end? Can we get rid of the Aston Villa uh, uh, goal giveaway club? Dinia is going to bring goals. Matty Cash, um, respect to Matty Cash. He fronted up himself in a, in a recent interview with Villa TV, talked about the fact that his you know final ball is, is not good enough. And Matty Cash, you know, you, you've seen your mate on the other wing there, Matty Target. If, if you don't sort it out, Matt, you know what happens. You know, it's not... It's not, a, it's not a threat at this point. It's clear which way Villa are going. So Matty Cash can improve his output. Dinia should provide width and goals and assists. So I've no problem with our attacking threat. Can we get rid of the Aston Villa goal giveaway club? Can we start keeping clean sheets? Can we be much harder to beat? And if we can, then absolutely eighth place, seventh place, whatever it takes is, is achievable. But only if we sort out the defence. If we need, uh, everyone's groaning, because I know what I'm about to say. If you have to score two or three goals, Andy, to win a game of football every week, no chance. You're stuffed. It's nice. It's nice to score two or three goals anyway, though. Yes, it is. It is. Yeah, that's no problem at all. But if you need to every week to win a game of football, you're you're, you're stuffed. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I think I think I think this is about right. I think anything anything above tenth, I think, given the start of the season we had, would would be would be fine. But um, as fans, obviously, we always want to push that a little bit further um, and uh, and kick on a little bit more. And we haven't got the cups to distract us at the moment, so there should be um, fitness and things like that shouldn't be an issue. So so hopefully we can do that and start to make inroads after this break um, against Leeds and Newcastle, who I think are the first ones up. So we need to we need to put them to the sword and make them even more miserable than they are now. Um, but anyway thanks for joining me today Craig it's been great going through everything Um, and thanks to everyone for listening head over to Manscaped for your 20% off and free shipping with um, our code LAMP and also check out underagaslitlamp.com for all the the latest articles about the villa Um, other than that stay safe enjoy the two weeks off maybe see you at Leeds up the villa